0: Pray with me. Holy Spirit, as we gather, as you have gathered us, that's the promise. Nothing can touch our salvation because of your grace and that you have called us and you have gathered us. And so continually show us today what you have for us in your word that we might be fed and filled and sent out by you to be your people. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'd like some moments of honesty here, and, and that is, not that I expect you not to be honest ever, but you know, how many of you today will watch at least some part of the Super Bowl? Let me, let me see some, okay, all right, good, good, good. And how many of you really care who wins? There's a few of you. Yeah, Carrie, I would expect, you're, I know you're a big San Francisco fan, so good. How many of you, on the other hand, don't care at all? Hey, okay. And how many are not gonna watch any of it? Hey, first service, a lot too, not too many, okay. Uh, So I was thinking about this, that I think there's this range of commitment or fan commitment level when it comes to sports teams and you tend to see it, you know, because everybody obviously gets excited about the Super Bowl or has some sort of, you know, thing about the Super Bowl. But we all have this kind of range of fan level, uh, commitment level when it comes to, to sports teams. And some of you are in the, you know, don't know, don't care category. So, and you're, yeah, I see nods yep, very happily over there. Uh, others, w- when it comes to, you know, might not be either the two teams tonight, but whatever, whatever you know, sports teams you do follow, some of you don't know, don't care. Uh, and then others of you, you know, today are like, wait, I think there's going to be good food. Like there's somebody's making nachos, so I'll go to their house. Or, I, you know, the commercials are usually good. Those are worth watching, right? Uh, by the way, you know, you can just watch those on the Internet already. Then, then you can, you know, do other things during the commercials. <laughs> like get a beverage. Some of you are, you know, sports fans. So, you, so you're like, well, I, I like sports. I'm going to watch it no matter what. And then, well, if you're a sports fan, you might as well pick a team and root for it because it's, it's not that fun to be totally neutral. So I'll, even if you don't care about, you know, the Chiefs, just, you know, root for them anyway or something. And then you have the casual fan, like, you know, I, I, I generally rooted for this team, and, and maybe I grew up in the area, and then once they get good, you know, you're the bandwagon, right? Like, oh, now, now I really care. Uh, but then there's those of you that, you know, grew up in the town. Carrie, uh, you, you grew up in California for a while, didn't you? Yeah, so I mean, you are a 49ers fan. It, you're honest. No bandwagon here. Uh, it just helps that they're good now, so. And and then the, you finally have the category of here of, of really fanatic, right? You're the guy who has his shirt off in the cold, you know, Lambeau Field with, you know, chest paint on, and like, you rearrange your life for your team, right? And you will spend money, you know, somebody even told me years ago, if my team makes it to the Super Bowl, I will take out a loan to buy a ticket to go there. They, and and I heard that. Some, you know, that's your devotion. This is your team. I will do anything. I will rearrange my life and my wallet to do this. Well, think of all those. I think there is a similar range to that as when we start talking about our faith, and when we start talking about hearing Jesus say, "Come, follow me," and we think of how, how do we follow Jesus on a daily level? How? how where do we fit in? Where do we place ourselves on that similar range? If you take a self-assessment of you following Jesus, where do you fit in? Don't know, don't care? Well, somebody brought you here today, so maybe you're beyond that, but, but loved ones of yours might, you know, Jesus, yeah, yeah, I heard of him. I said his name once in the, in the shed when I, you know, hit my thumb, but that's all. Others of you say, wait, did somebody say potluck, sauerkraut? Uh, I'm here, you know, food. Or others, you might say, well, um, you know, I find religious conversation interesting, and I, and I think deeply, but it's really, you know, just kind of a, I'm wondering, which might lead to, you know, I, I'm searching. I'm not sure I know uh, what I believe, but, but I'm, I'm wrestling, and, I, and I'm searching, and then, and then keep going. And maybe some of you said, well, I, I was born and baptized and grew up in the church, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm one way or the other, but that, that can lead to, well, my family and friends all go, so maybe that's the bandwagon church part. Things are going well, family and friends are here, I'll, I'll come here, and then and then there's others of us who say, Well, I, I really do uh, trust in Jesus and want to follow him, but I, you know, I keep getting sidetracked and and, and not sure. And, and then there's the you know, totally rearrange your life for Jesus. And with a sport, you might call them a fanatic. Usually when we say religious fanatics, we mean something else. But I think Jesus really wants us to be. Willing to totally rearrange our lives when he calls and says, follow me. So, that's what we're looking at. Jesus calls his disciples, the beginning of of them, uh, in Matthew 4, calls some of them, and then you see calling more later. And the story goes, says in Matthew 4, 18, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, Jesus preached what everybody wanted to hear when he started his ministry He thought, he did surveys, and thought, what do people really want to hear? And I'll tell them that. And so then his first thing he says when he goes out and preaches is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. (laughs) So you can't accuse Jesus of trying to pander to crowds, and yet all these crowds start following him because there's something different about him. And they want to know, and they want to see. But then Jesus calls his disciples And so it says in 4.18, it says he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And it says he said to them, follow me. Some of you know this sentence, how this goes. Follow me, and I will make you. Yeah, some of you heard that, maybe sang a song when you were younger. And I believe Jesus does a similar thing to every one of us when He calls us to faith and calls us to follow and to trust in Him. And whether that happened through baptism as a child or in a different ways in a or somewhere in your life I believe Jesus does a similar thing in that he, he seems to walk up to you and look you in the eye and say, come, follow me. Which means you and I don't go up to Jesus and ask to join the band. He comes up to you. So the first thing we're going to see in this story today is that Jesus pursues you. Jesus does it. He comes up to them. They are, I guess, happily fishing. Maybe not. We don't know if they're happy or not. That they're doing. That's what they do. It's their family business, their job, their this is their vocation, they're doing it. Jesus comes up to him and says, Come follow me. Jesus walks up and finds them where they are in their lives and invites them. Jesus comes to you and finds you. We're don't, not, we don't seek out Jesus, we don't seek out God, we can't. We are incapable of finding our way to God. It's God who comes and finds you. And given the choice, every time, starting with Adam and Eve at the beginning, we would walk away from God, and it's God that must come and find us. And he does. Jesus pursues. Jesus invites you to follow him, except there's a problem. What's the problem? verse 420 it says immediately they left their nets and followed him and going on from there he saw two other brothers James John son of and James and John was Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them immediately they left the boat and their father and followed So Jesus pursues, it's by grace that we are saved, not anything we've done, he comes to us, he lives, he dies for us, he gives us his grace, he pursues us, and then he calls us, just like he called Peter and Andrew, and there's the problem, what's the problem? Problem is we're usually holding something in our hands. So what do you see with Peter and Andrew? What are they holding? They're holding nets, right? Says so he calls to them, and yet they have to decide what they're going to do. And it may not be fishing nets for you, but there's always something that we hold on tightly to when Jesus calls us that makes it hard to follow. So Peter and Andrew stood there, and, and you kind of get the sense, if you can picture it in your head, that time froze when Jesus says, Come follow me, and, and you know, the scene freezes, and their hands are clutching their nets, and they look at Jesus, and they look at the boat, and, and then you kind of wonder for a moment what's going to happen. And they drop the nets, and they follow. Now, yes, uh, I believe only by the Holy Spirit giving them the faith and the ability to do that is why they did that, but that's, that's what happened. When we first come to faith, however God does that, in order to take hold of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, we also have to let go of something else. And the Bible says that if we have been baptized into Christ, we've been buried with Christ. That is, we've been crucified with him, and so we come out of the tomb alive and risen with him. But it also means that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me if I've been crucified with Christ. And so there there is not so much Ryan anymore if he follows Jesus. There is Christ in Ryan, and that's what's actually worth looking at. So when we trust in Jesus, that means all sorts of stuff, either drops, or another word for that is dies. <laughs> uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in in Le- Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And in that death, you will find what is truly worth living for. So all sorts of stuff drops and dies when Jesus calls us. First of all, our ego. When you are saved by grace... You can't have any pride about it at all, as we saw in 1 Corinthians. How can you boast and say, yeah, I'm better than you. I'm here by grace. I'm here because Jesus died for me and rose for me. That's why you're here. We didn't get here any other way than by the grace of Jesus who pursues us. So our ego drops. Next thing to drop, our selfishness. You don't get to live for yourself because it's Christ that lives in me. It's Christ that willingly served and laid down his life for me and now he lives in me. So what am I going to end up doing? I'm going to end up putting my agenda aside and my wants and needs aside and my selfishness aside. Or I should say I'm not going to do this. Jesus will do this in me because I'll kick and scream, right? That's the human part. But we are now his and he is the one who served us with his blood and, and his resurrection. And so now that drops too. So when Jesus calls us to faith, something always has to drop from our hands. But I also believe that when we grow in faith each and every day, Jesus also calls us to do similar things. So daily, in growing in faith, I think Jesus is also looking at us saying, follow me. And I will make you, fishes of men, follow me. And when Jesus calls us to greater faith and to greater trust each and every day, he's always looking at us with something that's clutched in our hands. And you see, I'm often holding on to something rather tightly, and if I hold on to it too tightly, it will keep me from following Jesus today. So what is that for you? What are you holding or clutching in your hands today? What are you clutching so tightly that might keep you from trusting Jesus more as he invites you to follow him today and tomorrow and Tuesday? What are the nets that you're holding on to? You might say, you know, Jesus, I'll I'll follow you. I I want to, but I really have to, you know, make this amount of money. Or Jesus, I'll follow you, but I really really can't leave this unhealthy relationship with this person. You know, I I know I should, but I, I just don't want to. Or Jesus, I want to follow you and trust you, but but I really uh, need to have, you know, this job or or these friends or or that uh, status of living or or that lifestyle or that house or that vacation. And Jesus says, follow me, you know, drop your nets, empty your hands and, and trust and follow. So what are you holding on tightly to today that might keep you from trusting Jesus today as he invites you into deeper discipleship, as he pursues you? And then what would it take to drop it? What would it take? So first thing, Jesus pursues us. And he pursues us and invites us. And yes, we drop things as he pursues us. That's because that's not all. There's a second part of what Jesus says. And it's another P I'll tell you in a minute. Jesus says, as he comes to his disciples and calls them, he says, come follow me. And what's the rest of that? And and I will make you fishers of people. Yes, that is my disciples, my people, my missionaries, that you will then no longer fish for fish, but then for people to my kingdom. But it's follow me, invitation and I will make you. So Jesus invites, yes, commands. He he says, follow, but he doesn't stop there. He turns around and says, and I am going to be the one that's making you into a disciple. So Jesus promises that that he is the one that is going to be changing you, even as you in faith say, yes, I want to follow. So you're not on your own to pull yourself up and to try really hard. Jesus does not say, follow me and try really hard. Or follow me and I'll give you, you know, 10 steps to make your life better. And and if you do all this perfectly, things will go well. And you know, a lot of many, almost most other major world religions give you some sort of that. Follow this plan and if you're good enough, you will achieve the goal, whatever that is. Jesus is the only one that says, Follow me, and guess what? I'm going to die for you. I'm going to rise for you, and I'm going to be the one to form you into my people. Follow me, and I will make you. Not follow me and try really hard, and if it's pretty good, you know, I'll just look the other way and, and, cover, and you know, call it's okay. Or not even, I saved you, and then now you're on your own for the rest of this. No, it's, it's follow me, and I will make you. So as Jesus pursues you, the second is, he perfects you. Jesus pursues and perfects. So yeah, he, he calls us, and it is a daunting thing to say, yes, Jesus, I will trust you. And to whatever that, that those things that we want to hold on tightly to and every day and say, Jesus, yes, uh, I trust you. That is a hard thing, which is why daily we say, Jesus, uh, I'm yours, I trust you. But as he pursues you, follow me, he perfects you. He says, I will make you my people, my missionaries, my disciples, because it is by his grace. He is the only one that has died for you. He's the only one that rose for you. And and he's the only one that promises to, at the end of Matthew, never leave you, never forsake you. I am with you always. It gets even better today. If you think of yourself coming up later, if you, you know, have... Drop something and have empty hands, guess what? You're going to be given in worship. Your hands will be filled, even as your heart and soul are filled with the perfection of Jesus' body and blood. That is what forms you into his people. So, even as you come today, imagine yourself hearing Jesus say, Come, follow me, and I will make you. Let's pray. Gracious Jesus, thank you that, yes, you do call us to be your people. Yes, you do invite us. Yes, you do command us, and yet you never leave us alone. You give a promise that you will be the one to never leave us, the one to walk beside us, the one to mold us and form us into your people. And even as Romans reminds us, while we were still sinners, you died for us. That's how deep your love is, and that's how deep your commitment is to us. So Jesus, we ask you to continue to mold us into your people as as individuals, as individual disciples, but also as your church. Continue to mold us as Zion, your people here, that we would want to do your will, that we would want to serve others around, and by serving others, they would not see us, but see you and be drawn to you. Lord, we ask you also to be with your church around the world, brothers and sisters in every corner of your globe, that you would bless and enlarge your church and also protect those that suffer for your name. And we ask you to be with many parts of the world where people uh, are struggling with disease and loss and and homelessness, and especially uh, many uh, in the wake of coronavirus in China and other places. Pray pray that you would bless and protect, protect your people, give to uh, doctors what they need and and that you would protect and bring healing. We ask you to continue to support and bless those serving in the military, that you might be their strength and bring them home safely to their families and that you would continue to use their work uh, to bring peace to your world. Lord, we pray all these things, knowing and trusting that you are our Lord, our Savior, who has called us but also committed to perfecting us. In Jesus' name we pray.